0: Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside Matt Story. And Matt, we're just going to be talking all NCAA basketball all the time right now.
1: Yeah, well, it is the eve of March. So it's that time of year where everybody picks college basketball and pretends they've been watching all season. And I'll admit I'm one of them. Uh, You know, I've, I've paid some attention, but now's the time where you start to give it more attention. And you make yourself an expert in two weeks so you can fill out a bracket.
0: Yep, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to talk a lot about it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yes. So, I want to start with the now-defeated Gonzaga Bulldogs. Gonzaga dropped a a game 79-71 to BYU and fell from first to fourth. Now, who cares? They probably still should be a top-line seed, assuming they win out. I care, though, because they they have one loss. No one else has less than three. And it's not like everyone ahead of them has only spectacular losses. You
1: no, know? I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Kansas lost at home to Iowa State.
0: Villanova so, lost know, to Marquette.
1: A, right. Uh, and lost at home just this past week to Butler. Um, you know, and, and obviously all the Pac-12 schools have, have beaten each other in some form or fashion. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean... Uh, you know, you're right. Um, the first thing you said, you, the, the poll, really doesn't matter at all. But um, it does sort of give a, a perception that you know people didn't really believe in them, and and that's the thing they're gonna. I mean, quite honestly, they've they've got to get to a Final Four to to knock off that um, you know that label. They're much much like Villanova last year, where Villanova kind of had that label of. Yeah, they're always good in the regular season, but they always flame out early in a tournament. Well, they they went on a run, and now you don't hear that anymore. Uh, Gonzaga needs to do, that. and and until they do, they're going to fight that you know that notion that well they're just a product of a weak conference, and you know, great, but they're not really a serious team to be uh, worried about.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, Mark Few is a hell of a coach, and and the program has been gangbusters for. You yeah, know, close to two decades now. It it's yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, '99 was the year they went to the Elite Eight with with uh, Dan Monson, um, and then Few took over the next year. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a long run of success, and and shouldn't be taken for granted.
0: It's one of those things where no one says that about Big. E- I mean, I guess Villanova, yeah, but no one talks about the Big East as being you know kind of a you know all you do is basketball. You don't have a lot of notoriety. It's not the world's <laughs> yeah. strongest conference, but. You know, I, I guess you know, put up or shut up time comes in March, and if they wind yeah. up this season with only one loss the whole way, people never say it again.
1: Then they'll, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the way to to shut everybody up. It's uh, you know, and we we see it a lot. We, you know, over the you know, decade plus, we've seen you know Billy Donovan had that reputation. Oh, he's always got good teams, but they choke. Well then they won back-to-back titles and Roy Williams had that reputation. He's got two titles and uh, Jay Wright, Villanova, you know, it was the same thing. So, you know, Gonzaga is kind of in that boat of they, they gotta, they gotta do it. I'm not saying, I'm not sure they have to win a title, but they've never broken through to the final four. And that, you know, would go a long way toward, you know, getting people off their back of, yeah, cute little story. Um, You know, they're kind of like the Boise state of basketball. They've, they've, had a long, sustained run. Boise, you know, had a couple undefeated seasons and never got a chance to play for the title. Gonzaga gets that chance, and they haven't made it quite far enough, you know, in all these opportunities. So maybe this is the year. I'd love to see it. I think it'd be cool to, if they do.
0: I'm going to run through the top 10, the AP top 10, right now. Yeah. And tell me if you think there's a team in this list that doesn't have a realistic chance. Because I'm yeah. now of the mind that, that we are not in the era of two or three or four power teams and a bunch of also-rans. But let's run through. So it's Kansas, Villanova, UCLA, Gonzaga, North Carolina, Oregon, Arizona, Louisville, Kentucky, and West Virginia. I, I guess maybe West Virginia if Bob Huggins' heart uh, uh, right, condition rears up. well,
1: and... And, and and you know they, I, I mean, can you see them winning the title? I don't. Think so, um, but who knows? You know, I mean, if you had asked me last year, and and Villanova was probably in the top ten most of the year, I would have said I did. I couldn't see them winning the title, and they did. So, uh, you know, I I completely agree with you. It's it's not a it's not a year, and very and we're not seeing very many years like this anymore, where there's only. You know, two or three teams that separate themselves or one team that really separates itself. Um, kind of saw it two years ago with Kentucky when went undefeated in the regular season. were you know, the team to beat going into the tournament. But that's an exception to the rule nowadays. And this, this year is kind of the common way of, of being now where, you know, there's 10, maybe 15 teams. I think if you go deeper than that, you can find teams that are capable of winning the whole
0: thing. Well, I'll go, I'll um, you keep, know which... I'll keep going and I'll tell you that, you know, Baylor, Florida, Butler, SMU, Florida State, Purdue, Duke, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, St. Mary's. I have a tough time. There's thinking, a few in there. You know, I have a tough time thinking the Gales make it, teams like that, but. Right. You know, Purdue's got the there, kind of formula some... that makes sense and Duke is Duke. Absolutely.
1: I was going to, I was going to say Purdue is a team that jumps out to me that that could, could make a run. Duke absolutely has the talent. They, they, you know, have just had so many things kind of, you know, bump them this year from coach, you know, absence to injuries to, you know, Tripping. suspensions. And, you know, it, it's been a weird year for them, but they remind me a bit of the Kentucky team from three years ago. They're going to get a higher seed than this, but that team was, you know, was high expectations, struggled through the year, got an eight seed, and they went all the way to the championship game because they had the talent. Just come together. I don't know if that will happen for Duke, but it certainly isn't out of the realm of possibility. You know, with with the guns they've got, that they could go on a run and be real dangerous in the in the tournament. You know, Final Four level kind of team.
0: Well, and also somebody not to sleep on in the top twenty five is Virginia's twenty third, and they're nineteen and nine. They're having for Virginia a down season, but.
1: Yeah. The, you yeah. Know, I mean, they've the, been through a slump. You know, they won last night, finally, you know, break their slump. Um, but yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks ago they were knocking on the door of the top 10 and then they, you know, they hit the skids a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's teams that, you know, are in that 15 to 25, maybe even unranked that, you know, could certainly make a run. Can they win the whole thing? I don't know about that. But, you know, can they be a team that knocks off a one seed? uh, you know, gets to the elite eight. Yeah. I think there's a bunch of teams that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be one of those years where depending on how your first two days of your bracket go, you could be yeah. just completely done and should just start over at the sweet 16.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think it'll be uh relatively unpredictable after the second round, uh, or, you know, starting with the second round, it, you know, you always have you know your ones and twos and threes that generally make it through the first first day, uh, you know. But then they, you know, you start getting into three sixes, two sevens. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that there's going to be that much of a disparity in talent between those teams, and you know, it's it's all a matter of again, it's that one game scenario. Uh, that's what makes the tournament fun. It's also what makes it, you know probably not the best identifier of, of the true champion because, you know, you get upset. Team starts hitting threes and they knock off a team that, you know, nine times out of ten they wouldn't beat. Uh, so, it, you know, it's uh, it keeps for staying, but it makes it hard to predict.
0: Yeah, I, I think from a Pac-12 perspective, you know, the, the three teams that are top ten teams are, are your shot. If you're going to start sure. pivoting your loyalty to just conference homerism... UCLA, Oregon, and Arizona all have a legit claim to potential elite eight positions. Sure. You know, obviously ASU had a hell of a time with all of them this year, but,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 got to watch UCLA in person this past week and it wasn't their best game. Um, but you know, the, the way they moved the ball, I was impressed by and, and, uh, even on a night where it didn't feel like they shot very well, you know, they, they ran up 80 plus points. Um, I mean, they, they are, a they're a tough team to slow down defensively, not great, but they've gotten better as the year's gone along. And, you know, maybe, maybe they're primed to, to, you know, peak at the right time of the year.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and they, they dumped Arizona last yeah, weekend with which... them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and played a good defense in the second half. Uh, which not their calling card, but, you know, they, they slowed Arizona down and, uh, you know, I think them to, to maybe 30 points in the second half or something like that. So if they could do that, it makes them real dangerous because they're going to score. I mean, they, they get the ball up the court. They got shooters. Uh, Lonzo Ball is a great facilitator. Really, a, you know, I was I was surprised in some ways watching him in person how pass-first he is. He doesn't look for a shot unless it's right there for him. He, he likes to get the ball and move it around uh, and, and, you know, gets opportunities for everybody else that way.
0: Not exactly the same attitude his brother has shown in the high school ranks. <laughs>
1: Apparently not. No. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're, uh, they're going to be fun to follow over the next few years between, you know, they're all the three kids and the dad who, who can't stay out of the news the last, uh, you know, 10 days or so every day. There's something new. Uh, so they'll, we're, we're just dipping our toe into the water of the ball family. It feels like, but, They'll be fun to follow, for good and for bad, I think.
0: I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, obviously his father came out and said, you know, it's Lakers or bust. and we <laughs> right. backed off it. Yeah, he backed quickly. off of it. Yeah. But it's this is a kid who's never played outside of Southern California as his home yeah. base. Yeah, yeah. And as a team that's not the Lakers, obviously that has to give you pause. But I think as the new Magic Johnson-led Lakers, you have to wonder do I really want to do this where every, this kid knows everybody and he's going to have to be getting probably 250 tickets a game?
1: Agreed. Agreed. It's, it's sort of that, uh, you know, the, the, the downside of what happened with LeBron in Cleveland. You know, it was great that he went there and he lifted them to, to new heights. But, you know, as he said since, he needed to get out. You know, he, need, he needed that time in Miami to kind of grow up. You know, you, you never leave home, you don't grow up. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. You know, his, his dad's a character and, and, um, you know, he obviously isn't shying away from the spotlight. He's on a different radio or TV show every day now, it seems like. So it, yeah, they'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, what happens with his two brothers, um, you know, and, and, uh, how the whole thing develops. Like I said, I think, you know, we're on chapter one of like a chapter you know, 27 chapter book basically it comes to this family. We don't know what's ahead, but it'll be fun to see.
0: And it's all going to play out in front of you because there's going to yeah. just be yeah. spotlight more and more spotlight. Yep.
1: Yep. Absolutely. This is the, you know, it's the reality TV era we live in and you know, high school sports are on TV and so you can watch the, I mean, I heard Dan Patrick talking about how he watched, you know, the other two ball brothers play their high school playoff game this week. And he's, he's critiquing, you know, their are they're, last play of regulation i think god the kid is a sophomore in high school and we're already you know putting him under the microscope so yeah get get ready Trap in kid because you know the scrutiny is going to increase
0: yeah i mean the one nice thing you have to say is that they certainly are not going to shy away from it so it's not like they're you know it's unwelcome attention true this is true
1: no agreed agreed yeah i mean you know the, the family has sought it out and, and, you know, doesn't, like you said, does not appear to be shying away from it at all. In fact, it appears to be, you know, every bit they get, it's like, give us more. You know, we can't have enough. Yeah. Now that, you know, Lonzo Ball seems pretty low-key. Now maybe UCLA's just kept a lid on, the, you know, in college you can do that. So I, I don't know. You know, you don't hear much from him. His dad is certainly, a, you know, very much out in the public eye now.
0: Yeah, well, and he's going to be there for six more years at least. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as as long as these kids continue through UCLA and and, you know, if, if they are all as good as as we hear, then, you know, and Lonzo appears to be on his way to maybe being the number one pick, certain one of the top five. And and maybe the other two kids will follow in line, you know. So, yeah, it'll it'll be fun to watch. And, you know, for UCLA, hey, there's there's got to be an excitement around it. Um uh, he's, he's injected them with some life. If the other two kids are that good, then they can keep it up, hopefully.
0: The other potential number one pick seems to be Markel Fultz. Now, there could be some other yeah. guys, you know, Josh Jackson and whoever. Yeah. And, and yeah. I know we've touched on it, but it is interesting that Lonzo Ball has UCLA on the cusp of being a one seed, and Markel right. Fultz needs to run the table in the Pac-12 tournament to get Washington into the postseason. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Washington program is hard to figure out lately because, you know, when we were in school and, and the immediate years after we graduated, you know, they were a, a perennial really good team. They had they had good players, and Romar seemed to, you know, really have things going there. And now you look at it, and I, I believe this is going to be the fifth or sixth straight year they missed the tournament, um, it, which is – Kind of stunning that he still has his job. I mean, not many coaches survive that long of a time without making the tournament at a major conference. Uh, well, and his tenure—his
0: so tenure has been so long. And you know, yes. in the pros, you would say, "Well, are they done listening to this voice? Is that what happened?" Right. But in right, college, right. he keeps cycling through these guys, and clearly, he's still recruiting. He's still getting yeah. top talent, but something's yeah, I mean, just not a- clicking.
1: He's got the potential number one pick this year. He had a lottery pick last year at Marquise Chris. Um, I, yeah, he's obviously just not surrounding them with enough talent, you know. And, and the thing with a kid like Chris is, you know, he's a lottery pick on potential only. When when he played – now, Fultz is a little different. Fultz, you watch him and you think, man, this kid's really good. When you watch Chris in college last year, he didn't look anything special. So, you know, he's 6'10", he's young, he's raw, he can jump out of the gym. And, and maybe when he's 23, he's going to be unbelievable. And, you know, that's what people are banking on.
0: So let me ask you this. Coach K has pivoted in a way that he was obviously very opposed to doing to one-and-done mm-hmm. kids and, and making it work and, and trying to find that balance. Is it possible that Romar just never got there? You know, because when he had Isaiah Thomas, when he had... Right. Uh, before that, Nate Robinson, they stayed they were talented, they were NBA they players, but they stayed, and he was able to sure, build sure. around them and have a, have some continuity. Do you think... Yeah, no
1: doubt. I mean, I, I guess so. I, you know, it, it, it feels like that has to be part of the explanation. Um, because, yeah, you're right. I mean, you had Nate Robinson, you had Brandon Roy, who I think stayed three years. You had Quincy Pondexter, who I think was a four-year guy um, and was a first-round pick, I believe. Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, yeah, you had guys that stayed three or four years, and and they just haven't, they just haven't had that. And yeah, it's 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 a strange dynamic there, because you know he built something that seemed like it was built to last for a long period of time, almost you know, almost a decade. You know they were year in year out pretty good, and now in the last five six years, they've been any good, and you keep waiting for it to turn around, but it just hasn't. And I'm not sure that that they can. I don't know.
0: And it's not for a lack of talent in Seattle. No, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's talent there, and and they're getting, I mean, you know, boy, obviously you evaluate programs by more just draft picks, but they're getting players. They're just not winning with those players. And they got another one next year, Michael Porter Jr., who is one of, if not the hot, you know, top-rated recruit in the country for next year and already being, you know, talked about as the number one pick in 2018 and uh, you know, so so it's not that he's not getting good players; he's just not winning with the players he gets.
0: Yeah, it it does you know start to make it seem like he's you know he's either going to be a lifetime tenure coach or they're going to have to make yeah. a change if this doesn't work because right we're we're a little too deep now to say like oh it's just a funk and he'll snap out of it unless sure. you know next year he's out of it. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. And he may get next year, uh, you know, because of this Porter kid. I don't, I don't know. You know, that's a tough call because you have this kid in the fold, but he's a one year kid. So do you make a decision on keeping a coach based on a recruit that's really only going to be there one season anyway? Um, you know, these are these are debates we've had before in relation to Rob Evans and Ike Diagu. You know, yeah, don't you don't keep a coach based on one more year of a guy. And so I'm not sure you do that, but but then again, maybe this kid's a transcendent talent who will who will do what you know Carmelo. Anthony Davis did, and Carmelo, and Derek Rose, and you know who knows? I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do because yeah, it's it's coming to the time where they got to make a decision on him.
0: Do you think that there is something to his decline with Oregon's surge at, possibly, under Dana? Alden? Very
1: possibly. Very possible, yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of the reverse of, of football. You know, we've seen Oregon football, which kind of you know had established a power up there, decline at the same time as Washington's made its way back. And yeah, it's it's very possible there is a connection there.
0: And then the last of the three Pac-12 teams in the top ten is Arizona, who uh, the Sun Devils get a chance to. Earn the season split. Now, you said that you thought yeah. we'd get one out of three, and ASU already cashed that, so we got a chance to exactly, to exactly. that and yeah, take I two out of that.
1: I was glad we got that one. Uh, nice little comeback from down six with 30 seconds to go. You know, you hit a shot, and you get a turnover, you hit another shot, and boom, you know, you win the game with free throws, and that was nice. Yeah, uh, this will be a lot tougher, but they, uh, you know, they they did hang with UCLA. It's just It was just one of those games where you know you saw the despair in talent and i don't know if you saw uh we played our starters 199 of a possible 200 minutes in that game
0: yeah jethro has left the rotation um jethro
1: got suspended apparently
0: yeah and so i didn't
1: know that until the ucl game i missed that news um (laughs) but yeah he's been suspended for team rules so that makes a you know, a a seven man rotation into six and Ramon Vila got in for, I think like 20 seconds in that UCLA game. And that was it.
0: Yeah. The one nice thing we have going for us this week, if you're going to take the Homer perspective is it's the Saturday game and right. It's plenty of time. get your legs back. Yeah. yeah, It's as rested as you can be. And then they don't play the Sunday game, get it going into the PAC 12 tournament, which is nice because you know, we're playing day one. So, you know,
1: we're playing Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I mean, the, the recipe is real simple for us. We got to make threes. We got to shoot a bunch, and we got to make a bunch. And, and you know, that's that's how you pull an upset. Uh, you know, pretty much always in college basketball, and definitely for this team. It's not a deep team. It's not going to be a team that that you know beat you inside and, and or beat you up with defense. Uh, it's a team that's just going to chuck threes, and if they all go in, or if I'm going in got a chance, and if not many go in, it's going to be a rough night.
0: Well, because the problem is, on the defensive end, if I'm Arizona, I see no reason to do anything other than what I did game one, which is marketing, oh, yeah. roostitch, roostitch, marketing. And- yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, UCLA did it to us at times, too, and it felt like they could have done it more, um, you know, just getting the ball into Leaf and Welsh and, and letting them. To what they wanted to do. There were times they just don't fall into these, you know, couple dribbles, post-up move, you know, little running hook inside the paint. And I'm thinking, we can't stop that. Like, they, they could run that play every time down, and I don't think we could come up with an answer for it.
0: Obina Aleka reminds me a lot of how I felt about Serge Ngunu, which is he... Yeah. he obviously if he had a guy like Ike with him, that would have been great because then he wouldn't yeah. have to take it all on himself, but I feel like he's good. And I just sort of wish there was just one more year because I feel like next yeah. year is when it's all going to click and he's just going to miss it.
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah. He's a, he's a very nice piece of the puzzle. And unfortunately we just don't have enough pieces this year to, to, you know, get the most out of him. But yeah, I mean, he's had a, He's had a really nice two-year run for us. He's a guy who, you know, unfortunately, you're not going to remember him. I mean, three years from now, when we're talking ASU basketball, we will we'll struggle to remember him because um, his teams weren't very good. But he's a very solid player who, you know, um, has been very important, especially this year. But last year too, on uh, team didn't have much in the way of size. He's he's played out of position um, and found a way to still contribute. And, and be a real important part of the team.
0: I mean, you just think about the other teams that we've seen at ASU, and it, you could have picked him off of this one and put him on those, put him with Pendergraf, you yeah. know, instead of yeah. Eric Boateng for those years when you uh-huh. just needed one guy who could, who could just take 15 minutes, you know, where he's splitting time and helping out. And, yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. You put him on the team with, um, you know, Bershynski and Jahi Carson. A player like that would have gone a long way, you know. As uh, a, a power forward slash small forward, um, you know, defensive help because that team wasn't, you know, those teams were not great defensively, except for Boshinsky shot blocking. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you could, if you could play that game and you could plug him into the Ike team, the Pendercraft Harden team, or the pashinsky Carson team, you know, he would have he would have been a real nice help. It just unfortunately didn't work that way for him.
0: Yeah. And on the, you know, on the plus side, he, he got probably a lot more minutes in major college basketball than he would have gotten otherwise. True. so
1: True, true, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, he's a uh, guy that, you know, without getting all misty about college basketball, because I, you know, I love college basketball, but I don't get all into the, you know, romanticism of it. Um, but he's a guy that, that you could, you know, you could get romantic about. You know, he's a junior college kid, unheralded playing out a position and, you know, he's, you know, you want to do that story of this is what makes college basketball great. He's the type of guy you talk about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't like our chances this weekend, but I'm optimistic because I'm always optimistic. Sure. Uh,
1: Sure. I mean, the, the, you know, if, if Tori and Graham and Cody justice are banging threes, we got a shot. Those are the two guys that can shoot us into any game we play, and it's happened this year. Um, and they both, you know, they both shot pretty well against UCLA, kept us in it for a long time. We made a run in this midway through the second half. It was a pretty close game. We just couldn't finish, and you know, we just we just have to we have to play kind of the perfect game. Possible, yeah. Probable, no.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice to make it competitive. Let's also, if it's if it's not going well. Let's not be afraid to use those guys whose names you don't know on the end of the bench and try to preserve <laughs> some legs for what will be sure, a, a, an sure. undermanned team needing to win a lot of games with no Need breaks. to win four
1: and four days, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we it looks like we're going to be uh, somewhere in the 7 to 10 scene range, I think. Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a winnable game, hopefully in the first round, and then very likely... Taking on either Arizona or UCLA or Oregon, I suppose, depending on how the bracket shakes out. Um, you know, so we'll we'll get our chance here. You know, this weekend and next to be a giant killer, and that's all we can hope for. Now.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll be back. We'll talk about what happens with the Pac-12 tournament. We'll talk about the brackets. We'll talk about spring football, and we might even talk about movies. Who knows? <laughs> Until then. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's Ben and Matt Sportscast.